0: A blowout in 10-3. Bases are loaded for Verlander who waits out of He swings and it's a high fly ball. Deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge bat flip to celebrate. Alright, Ben, start the show already.
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome into a live episode of Flippin' Bats. There is a lot to talk about midweek, but this is the last. Flipping Bats Pod episode of the week. We'll give some midweek updates. We'll go through my team of the week that we'll select right behind me. We got a lot of fun stuff to get to. Producer Conrad is out here. Producer Conrad, you know what I want to start with today? There was some, there was some drama in Major League Baseball yesterday. Some hardcore drama. It started with the umpire, and I want to, I, I, I need to talk about that a good bit. Did
2: you see it happen yesterday? Well, Madison Bumgarner actions. Yes. Yeah, I mean, how do you not talk about it? I have never seen an umpire kind of show up a pitcher like that, looking directly through his soul, figuring out what was going on with his hand. <laughs> yes.
1: Ma- Madison Bumgarner yesterday was ejected after one inning of work. I-, I need to talk about this, okay? He's frustrated about a call on the mound. This call, it was called a ball It was actually a ball, but he wanted it to be called a strike, and he let the umpire know that. The home plate umpire. Inning ends up ending. He's walking off the mound. He's talking to the home plate umpire. Overcomes the first base umpire, running down to talk to him to do the substance check on his hand, okay? Goes to do the substance check, and this is where it all went haywire. He starts doing the check. It is taking a good bit of time. A long time and then finally Madison Bumgarner says something to the umpire like take your effing time and he is ejected from the game umpire immediately ejects him Bumgarner had to be restrained from the umpire they were right in each other's face Bumgarner's yelling at him so then all these videos start coming out of what was going down the slow motion videos The video of the umpire doing the substance check is the most ridiculous, crazy thing that I have seen in a long time on a baseball field. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. If you're watching, if you're just listening to this, we are showing the video. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the video of this happening now. The umpire grabs his hand. Stares directly into his eyes, doesn't even look down at his hand, and gives him this like massage, this hand massage, and does not stop. He just doesn't stop doing it. Kept looking at him, kept staring at him, until ultimately Bumgarner looks up and says what he said. The umpire immediately ejects him from this game. Look, We have got to fix this. We have to fix this situation. Umpires are getting, it's almost like they're on a power trip. He went over with it in mind that he was going to throw out Madison Bumgarner. He knew he was going to do it. He knew how he was going to do it. He was going to frustrate him to the point that Madison was going to say something, and then he was immediately going to eject him from the game. This is ridiculous. This can't happen. He quite literally provoked the starting pitcher into saying something and then ejected him from the game after one inning, setting back the Diamondbacks. They, they then had to totally change their game plan. This is wild, and it can't ever happen. So then, you know what the umpire said post game? Nothing, because umpires aren't held accountable when they do something like that on a field. Nobody can talk to them. Nobody can look at them. Nobody can say anything to them because they don't have to be held accountable if they do something like this on a field. We have to figure out how to hold umpires accountable for both their their performance on the field. I'm not asking umpires to ever be perfect, nor should anybody. But if they are consistently bad over a long period of time, they have to be held accountable. And then for stuff like this, power trips out on the field, making it about them. They need to be held accountable. This is unacceptable. He totally provoked a Major League Baseball player into saying something and then ejecting him from the game. If you haven't seen the video, go look at it. It is absolutely wild. Conrad, if you can't tell, fired me up.
2: Yeah, you know, this is something we've talked about a lot this week. I mean, I think everyone knows I'm a big Mariners fan. J.P. Crawford, probably one of the most cool, calm, and collected guys I've seen in the league. And he blew up on an umpire this week. And then there's another instance that you said actually happens quite often, where I think it was Chris Bassett. Easy third-called strike, doesn't get the call right down the middle, and then the umpire apologizes after him. It just seems like there's been a lot of weirdness going on. A lot of
1: lot of umpires... Wanting to put their fingerprint on the game. You know, you know who the best umpires in the league are? No, you don't. You don't know their name because you don't ever hear about them. They just go out, they do a consistently good job, and then they show up the next day and do a good job again and again and again. The names that you do know are ones that aren't great for that exact reason. You shouldn't know an umpire's name, and if you do, it's because he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. That's my point there. I want to move on, though, and talk about something a little more exciting, a little more historic and positive. Dusty Baker of the Houston Astros won his 2,000th game over the, last, over the weekend. 2,000 games. Actually, it was on Tuesday, I believe. He is the 12th manager all time to win 2,000 games. This is an absolutely incredible feat, especially once you start thinking about the player that he, that he was on the field. 2,000 wins is remarkable. Almost 2,000 hits, almost 250 career home runs. I mean, it just goes on and on for, for Dusty Baker. And the cool thing about getting to 2,000 as a manager is it's an automatic ticket to the Hall of Fame automatic. 10 of the 12 are in the Hall of Fame. The only one that isn't is Bruce Bochy who just retired and will absolutely be getting into the Hall of Fame. Now Dusty Baker gets to 2000. He was talking post game about this and was talking about Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros. And he said, I just want to thank Jim Crane for giving me the opportunity. I told him I want to be here through win number 2000. He gets there and now Now the sky's the limit for the Astros. That gets out of the way. Now it's all about the team. Let's talk about Dusty Baker for a minute and some of these accolades now, some of the rare air that this puts him in. One, he's one of one. The only African-American manager to 2,000 wins. Incredible. He joins Tony La Russa as the only active manager to 2,000 wins. No one else is even really close. Um, Terry Francona, I think, will get there, but not for a few years. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. He had 1,981 hits as a player. What he was able to do as a player and as a manager is the most rare error of all. Joe Torre is another one that comes to mind, obviously, uh, all that he did on the field. But Dusty Baker deserves to be talked about in the highest light. He has done it all. He won a World Series as a player. The one thing he has not done as a manager is win the World Series. He got there last year again with the Astros, but he couldn't pull through. Uh, I, I remember after the game the other day, they were talking to my brother, Justin Verlander, about Dusty Baker. And he said, you know, I was talking to Dusty after it happened and asked him, you know, some of the milestones that he's seen along the way. He's like, I know he's been around for a while. I wanted to see what he's seen. And he goes, Justin, I'll put it to you this way. I got to see Hank Aaron break Babe Ruth's record, and I got to see Barry Bonds break Hank Aaron's record. And that's pretty cool. He actually saw Hank Aaron break the record. He was in the on-deck circle when it happened. Pretty cool. Pretty rare air there for Dusty Baker. Rare air there. (laughs) Conrad, where are we going next, my friend?
2: You know what? Let's stick with this Astros team and how they are still the kings of the AL West.
1: Yeah, this Astros team that Dusty Baker is managing is still great. And let me start by saying yes, the AL West is vastly improved, way better The Mariners are much better. The Angels are doing great. I actually had them at number five in my power rankings this past week. But what we saw over the last few days is that Mariners team that a lot of people are talking about coming into town, going to Houston, and getting swept by the Astros. The Astros are now 14-11 and and just a game and a half out of first place behind that much-improved Angels team until somebody proves that they can take down the Houston Astros and the division, it's still theirs. Don't overreact. Don't think much into it. Don't think too much into a slow start. You know the last time the Astros started slow? Last year. You know where they ended up? The World Series. Division champs and the World Series. So, yes, there's not as much room for error with this Astros team because the rest of the division is really good. The Mariners are good. The Angels are really good, but now they're turning around. They are able to, unlike any team that I have ever seen, flip a switch, hit go, absolutely take off and, and play well when they need to. And they're playing well right now, Conrad.
2: Yeah, it's seemingly always like every year they play. Over the last like five, six years, they've set like a blueprint that I think is the new blueprint for success in Major League Baseball. You bring up that young core of Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Springer, you have all this really good young core. You let them grow under A.J. Hinch for a couple years. They win a World Series, and now they lose the Springer and the Correa. And for most teams, that would be like, oh, wow, we're back in rebuild. And then you had Jeremy Pena, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker. They just seemingly have found a way to prolong this franchise's run for, I mean, how no, like who knows how long? It's well, unbelievable. That, that's why
1: I think they are still – The Kings and the cream of the crop in the AL West. Because, yeah, you're right. This team was in, won a World Series in 2017, has been to five consecutive ALCSs. But they they just keep coming at you. And, yes, the players on the field deserve tons of credit. The front office deserves so much credit as well for the way that they have drafted, for the way that they have developed players. It's almost like... It's just like a, a Ferris wheel of, of talent coming through, and you're right. You, you lose Carlos Correa, and it's like, ah, oh man, the Astros aren't going to be as good this year. And I'm not saying that Jeremy Pena is Carlos Correa because he's not, and we shouldn't expect him to be. But he, he's sure serviceable at the spot, to say the least. He's been fantastic, and it's just like no matter where you lose somebody, okay. Next guy in line. Next guy in line. And I don't know if you can say that for other teams in the division. You, you might be able to start too soon with the Angels. You know, I think they've started drafting well. But, like, right now, if they were after this year to lose a guy, they, I don't think they have a piece to just plug in and be just as good. I think the Mariners are getting to that point where they have just tons of talent ready and ready and ready. But the Astros are there, and they got there before everybody else. And before another team comes along and knocks them off that top spot, the Houston Astros are still the cream of the crop in the AL West, and I won't be hearing any of it. Yes, other teams are better. No, they aren't as good as the Houston Astros yet, and they need to go above and beyond proving that to prove to me that this division isn't the Houston Astros.
2: Yeah, I mean, after watching all three games against the Mariners over this week, uh, I mean, two blanks for the Mariners offense who seemingly just been on like a bad spurt of not scoring runs. But the thing that's always got me about the Astros is, is that no matter how many guys you can shut down that lineup, there's always another guy that can step up and produce. If you shut down Altuve, you shut down Bregman, you're like, yeah, we got it going today. And then Kyle Tucker goes three for five with three RBI. Or if not, Jordan Alvarez has two home runs. I mean, do you think that this Astros team really, like I asked before, that they've set a new blueprint for Major League Baseball of how to be successful on a grand scale, not for three years, not for four years, but for seven, ten years, where you can keep bringing these guys in and then make trades for your brother, make trades for Garrett Cole, and just continue to be a successful franchise in that manner?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They are, they are setting a blueprint, and they have been. And we've seen other teams now adopting that theory. And you're right, now, now it's this perfect combination of the Astros having a young, good, really good core. You know, you still have, you still have Bregman. You, you now have Jeremy Pena involved in it. Kyle Tucker, Jose Altuve. I mean, you still have that core, and then you pair in what they start to do. You get that core together, and then you bring in the pieces to finish it off. You bring in the Justin Verlanders, who threw yesterday who threw Wednesday for the Houston Astros and had another really good start, six and two-thirds, only two runs, threw awesome. His first time since Tommy John surgery going over 100 pitches, which was really, really important. Uh, Another hurdle that he was able to get past, I know that that was something that they had been trying for, uh, for him, for the team. That was that next step. He was able to cross that 100-pitch mark. And and he did it, and he did it well. And, And it's a guy like that that you bring in and you pair with that young team, and then you start doing that with the bullpen, you start doing that with Michael Brantley a few years ago. That all just culminates to the team going to five consecutive AL championship series, which is just absolutely incredible. So the cream of the crop in the AL West, until somebody proves otherwise, is the Houston Astros. I want to move on now to talk about the St. Louis Cardinals. What they are doing out there in St. Louis is so much fun to watch right now. If you're not watching, you have to because Nolan Arenado is on another planet. I'm wearing his shirt, can't stop, won't stop, Nolan Arenado. And I want to bring in a guest today to talk for a few minutes about the St. Louis Cardinals, Derek Gould. Derek, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. I really appreciate it.
0: Happy to be here. Thank you very much for uh, for the invitation
1: of course. I'm happy to have you. Let's talk about this Cardinals team and and what they're doing right now. And I want to start with with Nolan Arenado because I love mm-hmm. what he's doing. And it seemed like last year he comes over and the knock is well Nolan can't hit away from course Field. that you know the, the signing whatever they he, he's not going to be as good. He was good last year, and this year it seems like he's even on another planet. How cool is it watching him up close and personal right now?
0: Yeah, for a long time there, I, I would make the argument that he was the best all-around player in the National League. I mean, you think about what he does defensively and then what he does in the middle of the order there with the Colorado Rockies. And now you see kind of all those parts of his game coming together. I mean, they, they, they had a, so much of it last year. He was, He's obviously one of the best defenders at his position. Um, maybe ever to play third base certainly of his generation um but the offense last year you know he he was pretty critical of of what he did he was frustrated by his batting average um he thought there were some times where you know he let some games kind of get away from him some opportunities um you know to drive in runs and yet there he was you know the first guy to have 100 rbis for the cardinals since uh well you know in more than eight seasons i mean it had been forever since they had a guy just 100 rbis and he did provide that for them this offseason, he really wanted to work on, you know, he felt he could do better against fastballs, do better against like high velocity, do some more damage um, with that. You know, he, he is using one of those puck bats where it's a counterbalance bat. Oh um, yeah. Bat in spring training, um, he and Paul Goldschmidt, they went along with Matt Carpenter to the, uh, to the baseball lab there in Baton Rouge. That's um, right across the street from the Marucci. And they worked with like kind of having a bat designed for their swing Um, And he's been using that um, and to go with all the work he did this offseason. And then you're just seeing that pay off. You're seeing rewards. I mean, he is a feared hitter now. Um, He always had the reputation, always had the numbers. um, But you can see what he can do, you know, almost like to carry a lineup if he gets hot. Um, He had the two-run homer there in Miami to win a game and was so thrilled. He Like, as he got to first base, he turned around and started pointing to the family and friends that he had there because he said that, he said he's never given them a show like that. He's always gone to Miami and not hit all that well. So he was thrilled to do that. Um, I think you're also seeing a guy that just really isn't enjoying himself. Um, you know, he uh, he and Paul Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt talked a lot about that, that first year with the Cardinals that he had. You know, there's, there's an adjustment when you come from the only team you know to a new team, mm-hmm. um, a new team like the Cardinals, where they talk about playing in front of that atmosphere. But also you have to adjust to playing in front of those expectations. And and that's something that, you know, he, he relished, he wanted, he sought, and now you can see him enjoying.
1: I, I think we can officially say this year that the the core's field effect is is no longer. I, I don't think that's a problem for him, huh?
0: Yeah, no, I mean you think about I I get that it's like an easy storyline to do, right? Okay, play a mile above sea level. I think it's a lazy storyline is what it is. It is. It, you're right it is what 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 happens is and you you'll know this well is right okay he's a right-handed batter playing in the nl west how come we don't talk about all the ballparks that he had to play so many road games <laughs> good point and the pitching staffs that he went up against i mean it's not like you know i'm talking to you here from san francisco it's not like this ballpark is particularly pleasant to right-handed hitters and so right-handed hitters come in from you know they play for the rockies and here they have to deal with this or they have to deal with petco or they have to deal, you know, with the Dodger pitching staff more often than not. I mean, not everywhere is Coors Field. Yeah, they play, you know, half their games there, and it's not just about the home runs there, it's also just the wide open space of the outfield and the hits that, you know, that fall in there. But, you know, they have to go to some of the places that are just rigorous to hit and they have to face some of these pitching staffs who through the years are rigorous to hit against. So, if we're going to talk about Coors Field, we also have to take into account all those road games and all those games against the division folk where it can be difficult on a right-handed hitter.
1: Well, one of those stadiums is, is where you are right now. San Francisco, like you said, I actually just had Hunter Pence on the show yesterday, and we talked mm-hmm. about being a right-handed hitter at or or Oracle Park now. So he mm-hmm. said you, you can't hit a ball to right field, so that's a good point. There's a lot of parks in that division that are tough to hit in. Let's talk about that series real quick, the Cardinals yeah. at the Giants. One, I'm really excited about this series. Two really good teams. But I think a little more than that, I don't want to say it's a important series, super important. Obviously, it's the beginning of May. I think this series will tell us a lot about the Cardinals team and where they are because it's kind of like, what is this team? Are, are they going to hit? Is it just because of Arenado? Is Gold, Goldschmidt's turning it around now? What can this team be? And how excited are you and this team for this series?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good kind of... Probably, you know, an early chance to measure themselves against a team that won 100 games, um, a team that they've drawn some inspiration from. Let's be honest. You know, when the Cardinals talk about some of the things they want to do lineup wise, whether it's, you know, the matchups for when Albert Pujols is the designated hitter Mm -hmm. or when Corey Dickerson is the designated hitter. You know, a lot of that they're drawing from the, uh, the line changes that the Giants do. Um, if you, if you permit me the hockey term, yeah, um, they go with the better matchups. They, they really dig deep into those matchups and then make those moves. Um, the Cardinals want to draw information from that. Uh, First year manager, Oliver Marmol has cited the giants directly for what they saw them do last year to maximize their offensive potential. Um, this series comes at an interesting time for the Cardinals because they have adjusted their lineup. We talked about Nolan Arenado. He'd been cleanup hitter every game he'd played mm-hmm. until the last game in Kansas city. And how long that la- look lasts and what that means for Tyler O'Neill, Because Tyler O'Neill last year when the offense took off and they, you know, got going and they, they had their best stretch. And, of course, that was typified by the 17-game winning streak. Um, but the, when the offense was really rolling, it was with Paul Goldschmidt second, Tyler O'Neill third, and Arnado cleanup. Well, now they've moved Tyler O'Neill down a little bit, maybe alleviate some of that pressure, take him out of that spot in between those two guys, see if he can catch fire a little bit. Um, did in the one game, how long does this look of the lineup last? And they do this just as they're arriving in San Francisco. So while it's a measure of how well they do against another team that aims to contend this year, a little bit like the series that they had most recently against the Mets, and they have another one coming up against the Mets that could have some firework in it, of course, because of the sort of residual, the the leftover bruises from the most recent meeting. Um, This weekend comes at a time when they're trying to find some let's say chemistry, something to kind of ignite the entire lineup. And it does so against the Giants team. So it's really twofold for the Cardinals, what they want to see from themselves, but also what they want to see from themselves against a team like
1: that. Yeah. Look, I want to talk about Pool Holse coming back. This um, uh, this is the last ride with the big three, Wainwright, Yachty, and Pujols. How cool has it been being around this team with specifically Pool Holse back and those three being back together? And how much does it mean to the rest of the team?
0: Well, it's a lot. I mean, you think about, you know, Nolan Arnato the day that uh, Albert Pujols was let loose from the Angels where he came back on the Zoom and said, hey, I just want to send a message real quick. And he, he spoke to Pujols through the press conference there. Where he said, uh, you know, Albert was his favorite player and that he knew that he would find a place for him. Um, well, now, you know, I talked with uh, Nolan during spring training and he said, you know, it's just kind of surreal for him to look across the clubhouse and see five. You know, it was this. It was. was It's hard to believe I'm wearing the birds on the bat, but now I'm wearing birds on the bat with Albert Pools. Um, There's a lot of that. A lot of double takes going on when some of the young players look over and see Yadier Molina and Albert Pools talking as if they'd never been apart for 11 years. So, or, or 10 years, as it was. Um, you know, it's brought back a wave of nostalgia. It's brought back a wave of memories. It's also brought a lot of experience and a lot of conversation into the clubhouse. You know, Albert was a legend in St. Louis, and now a legend walks among them and yeah. takes swings with them and talks with them in the batting cage. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. Um, also, you know, I think it, it allows him to have, you know, he came back in 2019 with the Angels and talked a lot about how emotional that was for him, um, what that meant for him to be back in St. Louis and to be celebrated like it was an ovation every time he came to the plate, obviously the home run that he hit and then got a standing ovation as a visiting player. Um, now, you know, you get the sense that he's he's getting a chance to kind of close his career the way he wants to, the choice he has while taking a run at possibly hitting 700 homers and to do it with one of his closest friends in Yadier Molina. So there is a lot of excitement. There is a little thrill on him around it, they are very clear that this is not the nostalgia tour um, that they do <laughs> want to win together now. Um, but you know, that you they can't argue, you can't look past the benefit of kind of allowing them to revisit their, yep. their great times together and the memories.
1: Yeah, uh, it is cool to see this team all together and they're also really, really good while this is all going on. So it's a really cool thing to see and you get to be right there in front of it and see it all happening. So. Uh, have fun watching it the rest of the year. Derek, thank you so much for joining me. I, I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, it was a pleasure. Great great to chat with you. Thank you very much. Have a great day.
1: Of course. You as well. That was fun, Producer Conrad. We're, uh, that That's a fun team to watch. I want Albert to get 700 so bad.
2: I think we speak for like our entire generation when it comes to like baseball fans that you grew up watching like the Albert Pujols is just him and Barry Bonds one a one B just the two most dominant guys until Miggy came into the equation but it's so cool how they all kind of brought this together we talked about it yesterday a little bit where I don't think there's a single team in Major League Baseball that has a better story if they were to win a World Series together this is like I I can't think of another situation of like a better team to walk off together into the sunset like ah this is perfect I agree now uh Let's switch up gears a little bit. Let's go back over to the AL and talk about this Yankees team. Oh,
1: yeah. New York Yankees, 11 wins in a row until they lost the last game of the series to the Blue Jays just yesterday. Um, Let me start with this. I put the New York Yankees at number one in my power rankings this week. Number one spot. And the feedback from some was, well, they haven't played anybody yet. Who, who have they played? Let me say this. They won 11 games in a row. They took two of three from the Toronto Blue Jays, and you can no longer say that they haven't been playing anybody. They took the first series. The, the Jays lost their first series of the year to the hot Yankees. The Yankees are the best team right now in baseball. They won 11 in a row for the first time. They've, they've done that in consecutive years now. They won 13 in a row last year. They won 11 in a row this year for the first time since the 1960-61 Yankees. How's that? So, yeah, the number one team in my power rankings. The New York Yankees are good, and it is different Than years past. I know they didn't go out and make that big, sexy move, but what they did was they went out and made moves that made them improve. They're a lot more dynamic now. Defensively, they have uh, the the best fielding percentage in baseball. They have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who adds a totally new dynamic for them, who can play defense really well. They get rid of Gary Sanchez behind the plate, who wasn't great defensively. You add in Tim LeCastro, who's been coming in late in games to pinch run and play defense and be a speed demon on the bases at the end of games. This isn't your typical New York Yankees team that it's just boom or bust, home run or strikeout, and they lose the game. It's not. It's very apparent that this team is different. DJ LeMayhew is hitting well now, and he's a big average guy. He, didn't, he had a down year last year. They need a guy like him in the lineup to be in there, to hit around 300, to go about his business that way. And then the big boppers can come in and hit a bunch of home runs like Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo have been doing. This team is different from the past. I know they didn't make that big, impressive move that everybody wanted, the Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson. But they made different moves that made them a lot more dynamic, added around their superstars, and now we're seeing that payoff. They win 11 games in a row. They take a huge series in Toronto against a team that everybody is saying, well, they're going to win the AL East. And the Yankees are saying, hold up. We're really good, too. We're capable of winning big games. I put them in number one in my power rankings, and then they go and beat the Blue Jays in a series. The New York Yankees are here. They are for real, and they look fantastic.
2: They absolutely do. Uh, is there anyone in the planet hotter than Aaron Judge right now? Just looking at his numbers for the last 10 games entering yesterday, 3.57 average, eight home runs, 17 RBI. I mean, this guy is absolutely killing it. It's it's unbelievable. Do you think the Yankees by season end are really going to be kicking themselves for not getting that contract extension done? Because he seems like he's on a war path. Well,
1: yeah, that's you know, you have Aaron Judge who who has been very vocal about wanting to resign there. And then they don't get a deal done. They lowball him and he doesn't sign. And now he's going off And, and I'm excited for him. He deserves his money. He should be the captain of the New York Yankees. That's how much Aaron Judge means to the Yankees. He's big, number 99. Everybody knows it. Pinstripes, 99, Aaron Judge, New York Yankees. Everybody knows it. Resign the man. Pay him his money. Absolutely, they're going to be kicking themselves. I mean, he's been on a tear, an absolute tear. Eight home runs in 10 games, batting 350. Are you kidding me? And, and he's the guy, and I sat here a few weeks ago before the Yankees started getting on their tear, and Producer Conrad, you asked me, what do the Yankees need to do? And I said, they just need their guys to play like guys. Aaron Judge needs to step up and be good. And since that day, he has been better than good. He has been great. Joey Gallo, look, I know his numbers and his stats aren't there yet, He's been putting some really good swings on the ball. He hits an oppo homer the other day, a really good swing. I even saw an out he made, but it was a really good swing, a crush ball down the right field line. They made a good play on him. He's putting better swings together. So if he gets hot, that's a totally different dynamic. Giancarlo Stanton, I mean, this team is fun. They are really good to all. Yeah, lefty-lefty home run Joey Gallo's the other day against Kikuchi. 95-mile-an-hour, lefty-lefty. Joey Gallo at the beginning of the season was not hitting that ball out, and he probably wasn't hitting it at all. He's looking better. Their guys are being guys. Garrett Cole is being Garrett Cole. This team is dangerous. They are more dynamic than they have been in the past decade. This team is really fun, and they are doing really, really well right now, and, and they deserve that number one spot on my power rankings.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was something we talked about a lot, was who is literally the top team, and we did talk about them not playing any teams, but then you, you win two out of three against the Blue Jays. I mean, the Yankees have just been absolutely crushing it, you know. Uh, but let's move on to a little live Otani update. Ooh, Otani,
1: as we are as we are filming this, is pitching by the way, for the for the Angels in Fenway, the land that Babe Ruth started. Kind of a poetic little thing there. Shohei's first ever start at Fenway Park is happening today as we we're recording this live. And it could not, it couldn't be going any better. The Angels are up 2 nothing right now. Shohei has pitched six innings, no runs. He's looked fantastic. Look, One, this was tough to do a live show while my best friend Shohei was on the mound. But it's ended up being awesome because he's doing really well. He also, early in the game, had a single. But get this. It was a 400-foot single. Out there in that Bermuda Triangle area of Fenway Park, ball bounces off the top of the wall. The runner on first obviously couldn't get a great read on it because it looked like it was going to get caught. But then the sun gets in the outfielder's eyes and he drops it. It ends up being a 400-foot single. It could have been a homer. It would have been a homer in 11 parks. It could have been an out. But the sun was protecting Shohei Otani. The sun said, not today, Red Sox. It is Shohei's time. He ends up getting a hit. Almost a home run, a 400-foot single is something you never hear from Shohei Ohtani and something you would never expect because he's also one of the fastest humans on the planet. So, Angels, as we speak, are up 2 nothing over the Red Sox right now. Top of the seventh, one-out, Angels are hitting. What a, what a start this has been for Shohei.
2: I mean, look at Shohei's numbers today already. Six innings pitched, five hits, 10K, and then through seven innings, he was also the only hit for the Angels. Jared Walsh literally just hit a two-run home run, so now Otani can get the win today, which is that much better.
1: It's, fun, it's funny you say that. You say live update. I go to look down on my computer and the home run was literally happening as I looked down, but I didn't know if it was a replay or anything. Shohei, by the way, I was watching this game up until we went live, punched out three guys in the first inning. Three strikeouts in the first inning. Ten strikeouts on the day. No earned runs. Are you kidding me? Shohei Otani is an absolute freak. Ten strikeouts, zero earned runs in Fenway Park, and a 400-foot hit earlier in the day. I just, I, I can't wrap my mind sometimes around how good, how impressive he is. And he's doing it all in the home of where Babe Ruth's career started. Pretty cool. Pretty special. You want to talk about passing the torch? That's been a, a big thing lately. Passing the torch, and it's taken 100 years to do it. But we're there. He's doing it in the stadium that Babe Ruth started. This is this is incredible stuff that we are seeing. We see it night in and night out, and now Shohei is doing it again in Fenway Park. I just I can't believe this. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, you know what? It's it's kind of unfortunate how it's going to have to unfold, but I think for the entire kind of the baseball world to get all aboard the Otani train, if the, he's going to have to do this in the postseason, and I think they're on the right track right now with the roster they have assembled. Mike Trout being back, I I just cannot wait to see what Otani would be like in October. I can already see it now: forty degrees, Otani on the mound while hitting, the whole entire world is going to be watching. They're going to be like, "How have I not been watching this guy the last two years?"
1: I, I want so badly for this Angels team to get in the playoffs. Yes, for Shohei Otani, and also for Mike Trout the world needs the angels in the playoffs this week i had the angels in my power rankings for the first time they jumped all the way up to number five in the power rankings this team is real they are really good as the projections state they have over a 60 percent chance right now of making the playoffs projections are projections and i i but I'm hopeful that we can see them in the playoffs. Look at this tweet from MLB Stats. Shohei Otani, who's batting third, is the first starting pitcher to bat in the top four spots in a game at Fenway Park since Babe Ruth on September 20th, 1919. That's 103 years. We've been making the comparison, and I say we, I mean me. I was writing articles last year comparing. Shohei Otani to Babe Ruth, and now he's doing something at Fenway Park that hasn't been done in 103 years since, you guessed it, Babe Ruth in 1919. Are you kidding me? The fact that everybody isn't talking about Shohei as much as I do and as passionate as I do is mind-blowing. We all should be. This is incredible what we are seeing, and there is a good chance we never ever see it again so appreciate it while it's happening i mean we're talking this tweet is comparing it's shohei otani and babe ruth 103 years separated are you kidding me this is wild this is madness that's why we have our own segment on here this week in shohei otani news this isn't even that segment i had to talk about a midweek which i'm having to do we might have to have two this week in shohei otani news news is i don't know there's just so much happening
2: this is incredible It is incredible. I think I might have told you the story of like, I don't think I've ever had a more heartbroken moment in baseball when it comes like free agency and stuff like that. The year that Otani was coming over to Major League Baseball, I thought for sure I grew up a huge Ichiro fan. I was like, Otani, Seattle. Yes, this is going to bring us back. We've made all these trades. We got all this cash considerations. And I'm like, oh, today's the day. He's signing, baby. We're going to have Otani. Angels got him. And I was heartbroken. And it was so funny because I was actually downstairs and people were looking. at me like, why are you upset? Like You don't even know if this guy is going to be good. I'm like, have you not seen what this guy is doing in Japan? Like He is a unicorn. And we had a chance. My franchise had a chance to get him. So looking three, four years later, it still breaks my heart. I'm so happy to see him doing so well. But, man, what could have been?
1: Well, one thing we know here is that producer Conrad will always find a way to bring it back to those Seattle Mariners. What could have been? Sure. But... It didn't work out. It didn't happen. It certainly, you know, it was a possibility, but I I had ended up hearing that Shohei chose not Seattle because that's Ichiro's land. That's his territory. That's his legacy. He wanted to create his own legacy, and he's doing a pretty good job. And I'm going to talk about it all the time. Have no fear. I will do it all the time here.
2: I'm a huge fan of Co Legacies, just saying. All right. Well, let's move on to weekend series to watch. Uh, There are some really good matchups this weekend. We talked about one earlier with uh, Derek when it was the Cardinals and Giants, but let's start with the Mets and Phillies this week.
1: Yeah, Mets at Phillies at Phillies is the is the first series that jumps out to me. Another NL East clash. The Mets are playing great baseball. The Phillies, my prediction was that they were going to have a good team this year and they were going to do things incredibly offensively. They haven't started to do that yet, but every time you get a series at Citizens Bank, it's always, it always ends up being fun and a lot of offense. Mets at Phillies, for me, is a big one to keep an eye on. Next up for me, Brewers at Braves. The Brewers, one of the best teams in baseball at this point. They go to take on the Braves, and I believe they have their big three lined up to pitch those games. I think it's going to line up being Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. So a good series there. The Braves are another team. I have the Braves predicted to be in the World Series at the beginning of the year, and they did this last year. They start off slow. They end up getting hot. So it's time to go if you're the Atlanta Braves. And who better to do it against? This is a big series for them. It's going to be a tough matchup. The Brewers are really good, and they have their best pitchers on the mound. What can the Braves do there? I'm excited to watch that series. Another one for me, we just talked about it with Derek. Cardinals at Giants. He did all the talking on that series. The reason it's a big one for me, how real is this, Giant, how, how real is this Cardinals team? This is a good test for them. Against a Giants team that won over 100 games last year and is still really good, is this team just on the backs of Nolan Arenado, or are those guys going to come along? Goldschmidt appears to be coming along. Edmund's been playing well. Can Tyler O'Neill, now hitting in a different spot in the lineup, propel this team to that next level? We'll see, and this is going to be a fun series to watch. And the, the last, and a good one for me, and of course I have to pick this one, Tigers at Astros, my former organization, the Tigers playing at the Astros. This is just going to be a good series for me, a four-game set. A.J. Hinch back in Houston to face the Astros going to be, there's a lot of ties in this series. A.J. back in Houston, Justin and the Tigers. Justin's not going to line up to throw in this series, but still, A good test for the Tigers. They need to play better. This team was supposed to be at least better. I didn't think they'd be a playoff team, but the Tigers, they need to be better than they have been so far this year. So a good test for them going into Houston and taking on the Astros. I got those four series, Producer Conrad. Those ones step out to me.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, one thing you can't beat going into a Friday is – Tons of great baseball looking ahead of you for the weekend. And there is. there There's a ton of great series here. Let's move on over, though, to another one of our favorite segments, a little buy or sell.
1: Next time we get into buy or sell, I want you to, like, sing it. You know,
2: like, really sing us into buy this segment. Or sell.
1: Perfect. Thank you. All right. We're here starting. we
2: go. <laughs> First up on buy or sell, Yankees will be the only team to get an 11-plus game win streak this season. Ooh,
1: 11-plus games. I'm going to say – um, I'm going to say sell. I do think we get another team that wins over 10 games in a row this year. Uh, I think we typically see it happen a couple, two to three, four times in a year. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and predict who it's going to be. But that's the beauty of baseball. When you get hot, things start rolling. And we saw with the Yankees, it was just a snowball effect. They start playing well, the ball gets rolling, and then they, there was just no stopping them. They won 11 in a row. I'm going to sell that. I do think another team gets to 11-plus game win streak
2: this year. All right, next up on Buy or Sell, Nolan Arenado will win NL MVP. Oh, this is tough.
1: I am... Oh, Nolan Arenado. See, right now for me, it's Nolan Arenado and Manny Machado. Those two are on another planet. I am going to... I'm going to sell this. I think Manny Machado this year is... One, right now, Manny Machado leads baseball in war, wins above replacement. He has taken his game to another level. This is back to like Baltimore Orioles, Manny Machado. And obviously, I, I hear you. I, this was a very difficult decision for me that I didn't make until literally the moment, and it already might be the wrong decision. I don't know. But you can't go wrong picking Manny Machado to win MVP at this point. I love what he's doing. He's stepping up in the absence of Fernando Tatis, and he is carrying that team. They both are. Machado and Arenado are both carrying their teams. It was very tough to come up with that.
2: All right. Next one, or sell? Justin Verlander in the driver's seat to win A.L. Cy Young. Woo!
1: Yeah, I'm buying that, baby. I love it. I put him in my top ten pitchers to start the year heading into this year, and nobody was having it. They said, Ben, you're only putting him there because he's your brother. Nope. I just know that he was going to come back firing on all cylinders. I love him. I literally love him. That's also fair to say. I love him. I love the way he is pitching this year. It has been incredible to watch. And he just keeps crossing off those hurdles that it's important to cross off coming back from – tommy john surgery first and foremost your first start back out on a mound then getting deep into a game he's pitched eight innings at one point this year that next hurdle was throwing over 100 pitches he ends up going back out gets to that 100 pitch mark gave up a couple of runs in that last inning because he wanted to get to that 200 or not 200 pitches 100 pitch mark and he ends up crossing off that hurdle that was important for him. That was important for the Astros. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to buy it. I think he's in the driver's seat for A.L. Cy Young
2: right now. Love it. Up next, this one's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings in this room. Buy or sell, Dodgers don't win NL West.
1: I'm going to sell that. I-, I think the Dodgers are going to win the NL West. I think they're the best team out there. Um, I- I- I'm a little concerned about some of the guys in the offense, but the the thing about the Dodgers is – if there's guys in the lineup that aren't producing, they have the superpower to, the, to, to just be better than everybody else anyway. You know, when, when Justin Turner is struggling as he is, other guys will pick him up. When Max Muncy is struggling as he has been, you know, for a, por- a big portion of this year, other guys will pick him up. This team is the best team in the NL West. I, in my opinion, believe that they will win the NL West. So I am selling that the Dodgers don't win.
2: Ben, I know you couldn't hear him back there in the control room, but it sounded like we just uh, like took off with a rocket and we successfully landed somewhere. The entire control room just erupted in applause when you sold that. <laughs> Moving on next, Mets win 100-plus games this season. Oh, Mets win 100-plus. Uh, look, I, I'm
1: a buyer now. I, I'm a buyer. I am all in on this Mets team. I believed at the beginning of the year that they would be really good. I didn't know if they would win the division because I thought the Braves would be even better than they were last year. But I am still a buyer of this team. I'm a buyer of how good they are. The Mets are not going to Met, as the old saying goes. They're not. Get it out of your head. This team is really good. There's something special going on there in Queens. You can feel it. You can feel it watching their games. The energy is great. Everybody's playing well. Eddie Diaz comes in out of the bullpen with trumpets playing. It's electric. It's fun to watch. This team... Is fun. They are the real deal. I'm gonna buy that they win 100 plus games.
2: I know half of New York is gonna be very happy about that. Uh, let's actually move on though to uh, pick to click. Unfortunately, you are one and two on the year so far. Do you have any words?
1: About- yeah, I do have some words. From from a struggle comes great perseverance, and that's what will happen here on this show with my pick to click. Yes. You all might be saying you're one and two. Ronald Acuna didn't hit a home run in the week, and the Braves didn't win both series. But I plan on propelling my pick-to-click. We're going to start fresh. I'm about to go on a winning streak. This week's pick-to-click, Miguel Cabrera of the Detroit Tigers gets his 600th double this week. He's been close all year it hasn't yet happened in my prediction miguel cabrera gets it done my pick to click for this week is that miggy gets his 600th double and just knocks off another milestone in his drive for greatness and the hall of fame so that's my pick to click now it's time for another fun part of this show my team of the week so let's head on over here get to the board and select my players that are going to be on this week's Team of the Week. Every week, and it's not so far this year. It's over the course of the last seven days. It is a seven-day sample size of who is on the Team of the Week. I want to start – yeah, and and it's it's not just stats. It's impact. It's what they've done on the field. Yes, heavily stats-based. But there's also some other factors that are involved in here. I'm not just, I'm not just all about the stats. There's, there's a lot. you got to bring energy. you got to do big, cool things. And that's a good segue. That's a good segue into our catcher on this week's Team of the Week, Mike Zanino. Mike Zanino is back from an injury. He now has two bombs on the year, five RBIs, a huge home run in uh, against Oakland the other night. Tied it, tied it in the ninth inning. He absolutely crushed it. This was big. The the Rays looked like they were going to lose this game in Oakland, which you shouldn't be going out to Oakland and losing a ton of games, even though they're playing better than they probably should be. Zanino steps up, huge bomb, saved the Rays in that game. Mike Zanino had a good week, and he is on my team of the week. Moving on over to first base, Rowdy Tellez. I mean, how do you not pick this guy? Rowdy Tellez hit 400 on the week. Four home runs and 12 RBIs. He is on an absolute tear. The last game of the week, in in terms of being able to make this team of the week, eight RBIs, the all-time record for the Milwaukee Brewers. He is now on that list with eight RBIs. Four bombs on the week, 12 RBIs on the week. Rowdy Telez was an easy answer to put him at first base. Heading on over to second base, Tommy Edmund. He's been really good. He's been a lot of fun. This Cardinals lineup needed him, needs him to be good. They needed somebody other than Nolan Arenado to step up and be one of the best players on the planet. Tommy Edmund is starting to do that. He hit 300 on the week, scored seven runs, stole a couple of bags, and had two RBIs. He's that dynamic piece that the Cardinals need in that lineup, especially when Tyler O'Neill hasn't been hitting, as I believe he will. We know Tyler O'Neill is really good. They needed somebody other than Nolan Arenado to step up and to be really good, to just help him. And and Tommy Edmond has been good and has helped that lineup propel up to that next level. And they're playing good baseball now. Heading on over to third base, we have Manny Machado. I just talked about him. 360 on the week, two homers, seven RBI. He just continues to be on another planet. I mean... He is the cream of the crop right now in baseball. He is destroying everything. He is back to looking like Baltimore Orioles' Manny Machado. He has been that good. Fernando Tatis goes down to start the year with that wrist injury. You needed somebody to step up, and you don't even think it's going to be Manny Machado because you know he's going to be good. But he has been another level of good. And, again, this, he's a two-time appearance. This is his second appearance on my team of the week already early in the year. So he is at third base. Heading on over to shortstop, our guy, friend of the podcast, Carlos Correa. Friend of flipping Bats. What a, what a week he had. He started off slow to start the year. He's come on with a bang, hitting 452 on the week, a homer, and eight RBIs. Also playing a fantastic defense. He made a play the other day. It was like Willie Mays-esque, running over, over-the-shoulder catch, dropped right in the basket, beautiful play that was carlos correa has been struggling to start the year had an awesome week this twins team by the way i talked about them a lot and have been talking about them and they made their first appearance in my power rankings if they get carlos correa hot which he is now oh man this team is scary byron buxton is one of the the best players on the world when healthy this team's another level when they have carlos Correa. Next up, Aaron Judge in the outfield. We have three outfielders. Aaron Judge is the first up. Hit 308 on the week, five home runs and 13 RBIs. Five bombs on the week. Had eight home runs in a 10-game span. Aaron Judge has been fantastic. He has been going strong for this Yankees team. This is what I said two, three weeks ago when the Yankees were struggling. The Yankees just need their guys to be guys. Aaron Judge is one of those guys, and he has been fantastic. Another outfielder on my team of the week, Taylor Ward. Back on this list, 346, two home runs, six RBIs, massive home run over the monster last night in Fenway. Didn't even start the game, comes in, hits a huge, huge home run to the deep part of the monster. This was no fluke. This was like Closer to that center field part where the wall is still really tall, but it's really deep out there. Play. This is next level what he is doing. And plays like that are how you get back on. The team of the week in back-to-back weeks. He's been that good. The Angels are that good when he is going. We know what Shohei can do. We know how good Mike Trout is. We know how good Anthony Rendon will be. But if they get Taylor Ward playing as he is and how he has been, this team is unstoppable, and that's why I had the Angels at number five. For the first time ever, they have appeared on my power rankings. Last up in the outfield, Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker went through a little skid, but he is not skidding anymore. 4.55 on the week, a bomb and four RBIs. He's back. Kyle Tucker was an MVP caliber talent player last year. I thought he would be this year, and now he's back. And he he actually did the same sort of thing last year, by the way. Started off a little slower and then just hit a spurt where he went off and never looked back. Kyle Tucker is doing that right now, and he is on my team of the week. Let's head over to the designated hitter, Jordan Alvarez, of also the Houston Astros. He has been fantastic. 333, four home runs on the week, and eight RBIs. Jordan, I mean... What more can you say? When he's in the lineup, he's one of – and he's not just a power hitter, by the way. He's a pure, beautiful swing, great hitter with all the power on top of that. Jordan doesn't get the credit he deserves for being one of the best hitters in the game of baseball, in my opinion. But I'll give him credit here. I'll give any player, any team credit when they deserve it, and he deserves that DH spot this week. On the mound, starting pitcher, one of the best mustaches in the game – Dylan cease. The, the story behind the mustache is hysterical by the way. He cut it last year and then he threw well and he had to keep it. It's a little deeper than that, but we can another time for another day. one and0 on the week, seven innings, 11 punch outs, just a dominant game. zero ERA and a 0.18 whip. It's the mustache. It's the mustache for me. It was perfect. It's perfect and so he almost was perfect in the week. What a great week he had. On the mound, our closer on team of the week, Taylor Rogers. Four saves, and he has been zero ERA and a 0.27 whip. Taylor Rogers was the piece that they needed in the back end of that bullpen. I know Mark Melanson was good last year, but it wasn't always like the easiest saves in the world. And, but he moves on. He's now with the Diamondbacks. Bring in Taylor Rogers, which was a last-second deal for this Padres team. He has been lights out. Good for him. A great week. This rounds out my team of the week. Stay tuned on social media for a sick graphic coming from our very talented design team. But that does it for team of the week. Now moving on. Our last thing in this week's the final episode of the week.
2: Yeah, I know. I know where you think we're going. We're not going there. We're not going there. No, it's it's, it's going to be the final Otani update of the day. He ended up getting seven innings, six hits, 11K, 99 pitches today. Wow. Any, any final thoughts on Shohei Otani's big day on the mound?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I talked about Shohei earlier, obviously, and, and talked about all the accolades. What's cool to me is I was really looking forward to this start because it was Shohei Otani's first ever start in Fenway on the mound. Obviously, that's where Babe Ruth started his career. It's really cool. It's really special. Babe Ruth is the epitome of a legend. He is one of the greatest of all time. If not, in, in some people's eyes, he is the greatest of all time. To have Shohei go in and start his first game at Fenway, where Babe Ruth's career started, after all the comparisons and to have him do as he did, seven innings pitched, 11 strikeouts, 99 pitches, zero runs, it's remarkable. It's, it, I'm at a loss for words sometimes with him. I'm really not. I, talk, I could talk about him for hours. But, but sometimes you lose the ability to come up with adjectives for just how special it is what he is doing. What he is doing deserves to be talked about all the time. We will be talking about it until the end of time. As we talk about Babe Ruth, we will talk about Shohei Otani for a long, long time. What a special day, a special moment for Shohei. I can't wait for the first episode of next week. Monday's episode, don't miss it. This week in Shohei Otani News, the official segment, it is going to be fire but I had to give a little midweek update because this start that is happening and has happened as we speak here on Flippin' Bats while we do this live was just absolutely incredible. Shohei Otani, you're incredible. You are absolutely incredible. That's going to do it for the final Flippin' Bats episode of the week. This has been an absolute blast. If you were able to listen live, awesome. If not, this will be dropping soon in podcast form where you guys should be listening Uh, let's see, Spotify, Apple, Google. If you have those, great. Make sure you rate it five stars. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're subbed, all that good stuff. We also have social media, Twitter, Instagram. Every episode, you can watch the video on YouTube. But thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the final Flippin' Bats episode of the week. I will see you on Monday next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.